0: Welcome back to the third year of the Netflix podcast, Present Company. I'm your host, Krista Smith. This season, we have something really special for you. I'll be exploring universal human emotion with our guests. Fear, a word that has gathered new meaning for many of us over the past year. Thank you for joining me. I'm thrilled to have Jesse Plemons in the studio with me today to talk about his role in Jane Campion's new feature, The Power of the Dog. After first making his way into our hearts with his lovable portrayal of Landry Clark on Friday Night Lights, Jesse is now wildly recognized for his versatile and naturalistic acting style. He demonstrated this beautifully in his earlier work, like Breaking Bad and most recently in I'm Thinking of Ending Things and Judas and the Black Messiah. In The Power of the Dog, Jesse has created a quiet and thoughtful portrayal of his character, George Burbank. I was blown away by this film, and I can't wait to share a little bit more insight with you. So, without further ado, Jesse Plemons. All right, Jesse, let's talk a little bit about The Power of the Dog, okay? Um... It's an adaptation of Thomas Savage's 1967 novel of the same name. So, what was your familiarity with this material if at all when when you got the ask?
1: None. I'd never I'd never heard of of the novel and I'm ashamed to admit I'd never heard of Thomas Savage, um which is strange because it's like I mean, I'm a huge fan of Larry McMurtry and I know they're very different writers, but the sort of the world, uh, the worlds that he creates are right up my alley. And uh, yeah, I was not familiar with them at all. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I spoke with Kirsten in Telluride when this first came about. She was there at the top of this festival circuit with this movie. and And I even remember in real time when it was happening, there were so many, it was like, all these moving pieces you had been asked, but you couldn't do it because you got work and then they had gone to Elizabeth Moss and then she couldn't do it. And it was Paul Dano and then Kirsten. It. it was like musical chairs. Um, <laughs> yes. Tell me about it, how it all kind of came together for you.
1: I first met Jane right after I finished. I'm thinking of ending things and she had a small window of time and in, in LA read the script and was floored by it. Really, really loved it. And at that point, I don't, I don't think she even really had a projected start date. But like it was, it was a great meeting, and just she was really easy to talk to, and had some interesting thoughts on the character. And then, yeah, I, I, I got some other project that looked like it was going to conflict, and. I mean, I remember when I first read the script, Kirsten was like, it's Jane Campion, you're doing this, you know? Well, Um, I do want
0: to ask you, what was your initial first impression of her? What were some of those conversations like?
1: Well, she has a really, really funny, specific sense of humor, which which I appreciated. And then she showed me um, the lookbook she already had and was just stunning you know the the images that that she had pulled and some of the old photographs and you know obviously she's a master at what she does but this this felt it felt like something different slightly different for her which was exciting and i guess my, my not not gonna say concern about george but my first impression of him was you know that i wasn't interested in just like playing the version of him that is, is sort of based on everything that Phil says about him, which after I read the book, you know, I realized that the majority of the information that that you're getting is all through F- Phil's lens, you know? it's It's all this older brother that's just, you know, been using George as a punching bag for years and years and years. There were a few lines in the book and I was trying to think this morning what they were, but there was one scene where he's talking to Rose about his memories of going to the beach on the East Coast with his parents, and there was some line about, like, you know, like, I, I dream about it sometimes or something. And I was like, oh, okay. There had to be something else going on beneath the surface, uh, you know, to to find it interesting. And also, so it matters at the end that Rose is finally able to, you know, enjoy her life with him. But Jane, she referenced Robert Duvall, who's one of my favorite actors in The Godfather mm-hmm. and kind of this quiet power and, and dignity, which was like really exciting to me that that was kind of already how she was thinking about it. And then we had so much time beforehand to rehearse that it was just, it was so much fun to, to find all of that.
0: Oh, I love that. The consigliere, Robert Duvall, Godfather, yeah. man, epic, and also Lonesome Dove, Larry McMurtry, oh, right? So we're full circle here, Jesse. Exactly.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: was <laughs> Jane's rehearsal time? Can you talk a little bit about what it, that means to rehearse this film or rehearse for Jane Campion? Like how involved <laughs> is she in it and are there any things that she does that push you in a direction that surprised you?
1: The first rehearsal day with Benedict was definitely surprising. She had brought on this movement specialist to kind of be there for any questions we had, you know, the physical physicality with any of our characters. But our first day of rehearsal was a brother's waltz. And it was like very strange. <laughs> it was doing an Elliott Smith song. I mean, I've taken a handful of different classes and like anytime you're uncomfortable, that's usually <laughs> a good thing you know it was even I think more a more brilliant way to start than I than I knew then because it's so easy, especially early on, especially you know something as rich as as this story to like come in at it from an intellectual standpoint first, but this, this was a way of, of getting us to immediately, like, relate to each other on a, on a different level. And she wanted him to lead and for me to follow. It felt like a shortcut into our kind of dynamic. And then we got into discussing their history and doing different improvisations and whatnot. And then with, with me and Kirsten, with George and Rose, you know you're you're seeing a lot of it in in real time so there isn't that history so it was there was less to create and more on, on the spot what you know giving into to the moment and everything but it was just it was it was so much fun yeah and it just definitely makes a difference on the f- first day of shooting where you feel like you've already you know walked around in, in their shoes for a while mhm
0: yeah i think kirsten had said once jane had given her the note like She had, like, touched the back of you or held your hand, and she's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's too familiar. (laughs) This is brand new. You wouldn't have done that, which I thought was interesting. That is one challenge of being together for so long, that you forget that even that tiniest – it was, like, the slightest gesture.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the only challenge working with her was, you know, it definitely – Yeah, helped having all of that underneath it, but yeah, their, their physicality with each other is obviously very different from, from ours and just the time and place too, you know, uh, men and women dealt with each other very differently then. So Mm -hmm. keeping all of that in mind too.
0: And Obviously, you and Kirsten met on the TV series Fargo, playing a different form of husband and wife in that series than you are here. But what are the benefits? What were some of the amazing, like the shorthand that you have as actors for a part like this? Can you take me through a little bit of that?
1: There's some of it that's kind of intangible and hard to to. Explain why you work well with certain people, or, or why the you know it's it's easier with certain people. It's just like uh, why in life you become fast friends with someone or feel like you know them quickly. We had that on Fargo, and for whatever reason, we're able to be really honest with each other and really trusted each other very, very quickly. And you know, the rehearsal process and and shooting, and we're able to kind of develop a working relationship where we really I don't don't know if it was conscious but really pushed each other and respected each other's opinions so much that we could throw out an idea and if if the other one liked it great if they didn't all right let's like go on to the next one you know that's something that's just kind of rare and, and hard to come by and so I was just excited you know Honestly, even if we weren't married <laughs> weren't married with a kid, it w- I would have been extremely excited to work with her again just because she is unbelievable. But yeah, this, this time around, it, it was kind of the best of all possible worlds getting to not only work together again, but on uh, a Jane Campion film in New Zealand and bring our two-year-old son along. You know, it's just like, didn't know how perfect of an age she was going to be to like experience the expanse of of a place like New Zealand and and all of that but it's just very very easy with her <laughs> you know any great actor it makes it all so much easier because whatever uh, maybe preconceived notion you have it's like it's so much easier to get lost in in what you're doing you know mhm
0: Yeah, no, I think it's so important, that dynamic between George and Phil, obviously, you know, very brilliantly played by Benedict Cumberbatch, that you almost feel that tension even when George isn't on screen. It's so powerful, that quiet undercurrent, which I feel... You have in spades, like even if you're not saying anything, the audience is like, what's he thinking? Why isn't he doing anything? Why doesn't he slug him? Why doesn't he, you know, how is he reacting? I've always felt your internal life in any of these, in any of the characters that I've seen you in, whether it's in The Master, Bridge of Spies, or I'm thinking of ending things. But there's these still waters run deep with you as an actor.
1: Well, thank you. That's very nice of you say. I, I, I just feel like that's... uh that's people, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? I mean, maybe not everyone, but most people, what what you're putting out there is one thing, but there can be an entire range of different thoughts and feelings happening simultaneously. And That's always what is intriguing to me when thinking about a new character. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. What I think I enjoy a lot about this film and also just obviously the story is the kind of acute loneliness that runs through all of these characters. I think there is an acute loneliness to the West and this particular time when you're mourning the past and anxious about the present, your way of life leaving and dissipating. You know, it's this really interesting point of change that is captured in this film. But above all, what is so present throughout is loneliness. And each of these characters are so lonely, even though they're thrust together. And I would love to hear you talk about what that meant for you through George. How do you prepare for that overarching emotion throughout an entire
1: film? One of the things that Jane and I talked about in our first meeting was this critical time and, you know, what it what it means to be a cowboy and and that whole mythology and persona and growing up in texas my dad uh, you know roped and rode horses and i I rode from a very young age and like went to rodeos and all that i think that's why i, I respond to larry McMurtry's because he grew up in that world but was also kind of outside of it kind of like peter you know like thomas savage Mm -hmm. there is that being an observer in and amongst these this sort of cowboy cowboy masculinity machismo yeah exactly but being removed from it and um you know, Larry McMurtry has this great book of essays called In a Narrow Grave. It's kind of all about that exact thing where he's driving around Texas, sort of exploring what it what it means to be a cowboy now that there's this pull from all these rural areas to these larger cities, and I find that really interesting. And there is something that's like kind of almost the whole mystique around the cowboy itself there's like a pride in the loneliness or something Mm -hmm. you know it's like a a badge or something you know like the lone ranger you know the lone sort of figure and the vast you know of course
0: shane he rides off into the horizon and gary cooper stands alone at high noon yeah no absolutely
1: just looking at at this story it's like breaking that down and it's really interesting to me that Peter is kind of the only the only character that's pretty self-assured. You know, he's got big, big aspirations <laughs> and ambitions, and but he he he's kind of the most content out of out of everyone.
0: Just to tell our listeners, Peter is played by Cody Smith McPhee and yeah. he's Rose's son. Rose is played by obviously your mm-hmm. wife Kirsten Dunst. I agree with you on that thought. It is. He seemingly is the weakest. Character, right. But actually, he's the strongest.
1: Yeah. But but at, in terms of how you prepare for that, I think that's something that everyone has experienced at one point or another. You know, what it's always sort of about is accessing that and, and using it for something that is positive, I, I guess. But I don't know. I mean, I think everyone's got that that somewhere, you know, it's just about, mm-hmm. it's just about accessing it. And
0: mm-hmm. getting to it. Um, I want to take you back a little bit to the beginning. So you did grow up in Texas, very rural, small town, uh, Americana. You did all the normal things, played football, you know, a little not so normal. You were able to be on a horse, but for Texas, very normal. And how did you discover acting? Like it's, cause you commuted, which I think is also interesting. I didn't really realize this about you because the first time I noticed you was in Friday Night Lights. But you were a kid actor. You were doing bit stuff on, on a lot of a lot of television shows and, you know, extras and movies or one line here and one line there. Like you've been at this for a very long time. What what was it that was the was the kind of match that lit for you with acting?
1: Well the beginning, beginning w- was really just kind of a fluke. And I think probably similar for Kirsten, actually, our moms were like, isn't our kid cute? <laughs> you know, think, uh, she took me to an open call for a commercial when I was two and a half. I got it. And, and then for a while, for fun, we would all, you know, as a fun family outing, we would go be extras and whatever was filming in the area. And then, um, the older I got, just the more interested and intrigued I was by not only, you know, playing make-believe and all that, but the sort of carny circus <laughs> environment of a set and the crazy uh, variety of t- different types of people that you meet, you know, coming from my town of 2000, which I, I loved, you know, and love going back home. But it was just like sort of getting a little a little peek into a different world and you know you mentioned lonesome dove that was the movie i watched over and over and over again and i was an extra in a few westerns and it felt like stepping into to that world and yeah there was just some pull there that i feel like i would have come to Eventually, anyways, but I feel I feel grateful that I knew it was an option at a at a young age. I knew it was out there, you know, and that.
0: So what I love is you've always been just Jesse Plemons. Like you've always been this low key actor that just comes in and gives the audience like a gut punch, which is amazing. You didn't go through a cute Jesse Disney phase or uh, any of that. You know, you were always just Jesse. So even authentic. If I wanted
1: to, even yeah. if I wanted to, it just it would not have worked. <laughs> I auditioned for those Disney things, but uh, I did not get them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, well, now I want to talk a little bit about the stuff you have done. Friday Night Lights, of course, was huge, and now everyone still watches it. My teenagers are just starting to watch it. (laughs) It's kind of like Friends, you know, different generations watch it and and get different things out of it, which makes it such a classic and, and so special. But then also Fargo, Breaking Bad. I mean, the fact that you came in Breaking Bad last season and are still one of the most memorable characters is a testament to your talent and skill set. So I have to commend you there. That's pretty amazing. Thank you. And the amount of directors you work with. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Spielberg for Bridge of Spies and The Post, Scorsese, The Irishman, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson for The Master, Charlie Kaufman for I'm Thinking of Ending Things, not to mention the actors that you've been with in these films, right? De Niro, Al Pacino, Amy Adams, and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's a, just an incredible resume of films and colleagues. And then here we are with Jane Campion. So if you could kind of take me through what did you learn about your craft or even yourself from these directors and these colleagues along the way? Do you take a little bit of it with you each each time?
1: Yeah, for sure. That's the most exciting aspect of it. Is I remember, you know, when I when I was more into sports when I was younger, it's like I loved playing with like older kids because you know they're better. And it's like that's how you learn. With with all great directors, in my experience, there's like obviously an unflinching devotion to the story and the characters and, and like a constant sort of pursuit of like never, never really being satisfied. And then also, I mean, I, I think across the board, every great director, they hire very well. It's no coincidence that, you know, on these films, there's like, some of the best actors, best production designers, every great director, they're using every piece of the puzzle to build it up and tell the story. you know, What I'm drawn to most is like getting a like an actual scene scene with De Niro was one of the personal sort of standout moments of of my career. And this this sort of constant, push and pull between like preparation, making sure you, you know up here who the character is and all of that. But then the willingness to really, really sink into the moment and what's happening now and not get stuck in something intellectual always what I'm most excited by are these, these found little moments that come out of putting together all of these brilliant people. You know, it's like what makes any great musician great is not, you know, being tied to maybe some previous performance, not getting ahead of, of themselves in the song, but like fully, fully giving in to the uncertainty of, of what's coming and, being present, you know, mm-hmm. that's like the the constant obsession is trying to find a way to more consistently get to that place where you're open to being surprised, you know.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So take me to Jane Campion. I know you're not a method actor. You're very present. Benedict had told me that Jane had wanted him to to not interact, at least while you were shooting with yes. any of the other characters, right? To, to keep that tension and distance um, between action and cut. But everyone saw each other on the weekend, so it wasn't something that was carried out through the entire production, but certainly when you were working. So... For you, how would you describe Jane as a director?
1: She, I remember one day told me, like, I don't know what I want, I just know what I don't want. <laughs> Once she said that, something clicked, and I was like, all right, that, that makes a lot of sense. I I can fully understand that. But she is with you every step of the way, and very, very matter of fact when when it's like, it's not doing it, you know? It can take a second to recalibrate <laughs> with with that sort of honesty, but you n- you know for a fact that when, you know, you do something and you see it on her face, you know, it's it's real. In the rehearsal process, there were times Benedict and I would say, there's a conversation with, with our mother, the old lady. Well, Francis wasn't there, and so, Jane would fill in as, as the old lady and she's, she's brilliant. She's, she's so good to the point where I just, yeah, I remember saying, why are you not in your movies saying that? Because I think with each character, she's really able to step inside who they are, and has a really personal connection to each character. They're all parts of herself, it seems like, you know. Mm
0: -hmm. Do you have a favorite part of the day when you're on set, when you're working?
1: Friday Night Lights kind of started this obsession with being, it's nice of you to say that, like, uh, present actor, but it's like, it's not easy to make it look like it's, it's easy, you know, because there's just so much happening and your own day personally so like my favorite part of the day is 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 when you get that high of like fully fully embedding yourself in the moment and everything sort of you know disappears I guess Mm -hmm. Mhm.
0: Mhm. to strive for that moment I get that
1: it's a sort of feels like a a, a high (laughs) at times you know Mm -hmm. there's like kind of constantly chasing that
0: I've been asking everybody on the podcast this season about fear. For obvious reasons, we've come out of a crazy year and a half that's affected us in profound ways. The global pandemic affected even the power of the dog and filming it and whatnot. But luckily, everything worked out and you guys were able to make this beautiful film. But for you, Jesse, fear. What's your relationship with fear these days? Especially as a father. A lot has changed. I mean, I think <laughs> about when you and Kirsten met on Fargo, like seven years later, your life so much has changed in your life.
1: Speaking of, of having children, that that has seemed to just expand my capacity for for all feelings, you know. That's not a new concept at all, but you love more and because you you love more, there's 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 so much more to lose and be afraid of, you know, uh, losing. So yeah, there is a, a, a new, which I'm sure you're aware of, that that thing that your parents tell you, and then you you can't really understand it until you have kids of your own. So there's there's that. But then creatively, I think when I was younger, I used to be really really uncomfortable with compliments and like it was, I was, I always just kind of felt like I was white knuckling it, you know, just like holding, holding on or like pulling one over on someone. It's like, okay, got him again. You know, It's like kind of a constant, just like by the skin of my teeth and also caring a lot about what you do makes it harder in some ways. It makes it more gratifying, but yeah it's it's the same sort of thing as like having having kids the stakes are higher and so Mm -hmm. as i've gotten older it's easier to recognize that these things are human and if you fight it it's only it's only gonna rear its head in Mm -hmm. in a stronger way you know nerves or fear or anything like that the more you try and deny the the existence of them the more power they have almost recognizing it accepting it and like moving on with your with your life is kind of the only way i've managed to to deal with with fear you know mm-hmm. or nerves or anything
0: have you gotten better at accepting compliments
1: someone told me they're like all you have to do is just say thank you and i was like <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> and so that's just what i do <laughs>
0: I can, I can relate to that, though. It makes me super uncomfortable, and it took yeah. me a long time to just be able to say thank you. And I don't know whether that was about being found out, imposter syndrome or whatnot. Yeah. it just any being the focus of any kind of attention like that made me super uncomfortable. And it's interesting to hear you say that being an actor. Most actors are like, more, more, tell me more. <laughs> and it's interesting that you... Um, Although you want that kind of validation, you also it's like this, you know, yin yang. You want it, but it also yeah, makes you uncomfortable. But you feel,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, my last question for you is, and I'm interested to what you're going to say to this because you have been something that's been working in this business for a long time, and are only evolving and growing more and more. I mean, I think you're going to probably do your even more interesting work in the next decade. Than you have in this last decade. What is your advice for for actors, you know, wanting a career and you know starting out as actors or as craftsmen and and anything? I mean, and you're a musician. I should mention you you also are pretty talented at that too. So, what what is your advice for for people that want a career in this in this business or in the arts in general?
1: Well, thank you again. <laughs> it's advice that's often repeated, but I, I think is like the first step just in trying to decide if it's something you really want to do. It's, it's something that that you have to feel like you have to do it. Um, that, that the other options should seem totally insufficient and not at all options. And once, once you've decided that it is something that, that you, for whatever reason, feel like you have to do, for me, what what has sort of kept me um, moving forward creatively is like, especially acting, and like early on when you're waiting around for auditions, that's that's that can be excruciating and and really kind of um, really. unhelpful in in your growth as an actor or human being so just like keeping yourself occupied and busy and learning uh, whether it be in a class or or working on your own um, you know pursuits or anything really just life just just living life not getting into this place where you're obsessively like three steps ahead of yourself it's like why is this not this 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 it's like i think it's just so important to you know and it's all the easy things that are the hardest things too but recognize what you can't control and what you can't you can't control what you're taking in and learning you know and just like staying inspired and and engaged is is Something that you know, any time in the past, where I feel like I've gotten in a rut, and it's like, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeding myself, you know. So I would say, I guess that's my advice.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's great to see you, Jesse,
1: Good to and see I, you, I yeah. love,
0: I love seeing you and Kirsten on screen. It makes me so happy, and um, you two are some of my favorite actors. So I also appreciate you making the time to talk to me. Of course. Thanks so much for joining me. The Power of the Dog is streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more conversations
1: here at Present Company.